Welcome to the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. When you're trying to get pregnant, whether naturally or with the help of a fertility doctor, weight loss can better your chances of success. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I help you do just that. Let's go. Hello, fabulous. It's Dr. Stephanie Fine here with Weight Loss for Fertility. I love talking to you every week, and we're going to continue to do that in the new year. Yay! Happy New Year. We've already said Happy New Year, but you know, all of January is new. <laughs> 2024 is mind-blowing. Okay, I am really excited to talk to you about this. In November, I went to a five-day school for the work with Byron Katie. Have you ever heard of Byron Katie? I have a long time ago. I have read some of Martha Beck's books, and she loves Byron Katie, has learned a lot from her, and I love Martha Beck too. So I was then turned on to Byron Katie, and she is so loving. Her story is fascinating, and I read her books, and I am just was curious. So it became a goal of mine to go to her school. She had, it turns out she had a 28-day school that was a long time ago. But she also had a nine-day school for the work. And it was held in this really fabulous hotel in Ojai. And so it was on my bucket list. And that was around 2019. So I would look, you know, to see about going. And because nine days is, you know, a challenge to do. And and I, I was putting it, I was thinking 2022. And she offered it twice a year. So as I was thinking of doing it, you know what happened, the pandemic. So it's been a while that she, and she just wasn't having it. She's now, she's just turned 81. Amazing. I'm imagining, I don't know this, but I'm imagining that she was very careful with COVID and since then became really, she has online stuff that she does three times a week. I mean, she's super active. She's amazing. And the those sort of Zoom calls, live Zoom calls are turned into a podcast it's called at home. We're going to link this in the show notes. It's so valuable if you if you are into this. Like if this sounds like something interesting to you, I hi- you can go do a deep dive. There is so much she puts out for free. She's amazing. So I, you know, sort of kept in touch with it and then it turned out for the first time I saw she was offering something that was now 5 days and it was in November of 2023. And I was so excited. Of course, I happened to find it. It's one of these like serendipity things. You know, when when things work out, like the perfect book falls out of the shelf or your friend talks about it or, you know, and then you hear it three other times, like that sort of idea. That's what happened. And I saw it and I was about to sign up, but I wasn't quite sure, you know, the timing of the days and the funding and all that stuff. So I was looking into the hotels and and by the time I was ready to do it it was sold out. I was heartbroken. And I could see I really was waffling which is so interesting because I really wanted to do it. But there you are. So that was my opportunity and I was darn it because I, I didn't see any other ones on there and I know she hadn't done it in a while and she's in her 80s and I'm like, "Ooh, that was my opportunity." So bummed. But I will say I was super impressed with how I handled it versus how I would have handled it years ago. I would have been so upset, like tight in my body 
really frustrated and upset with the what I would have perceived as unfairness of it. There was nothing unfair about it. I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't sign up. And I was, you know, thinking about it. And in the meantime, it was sold out. I mean, that was through no fault. There was no fault. It was my brain. You know, it was all okay, right? So the fact that I didn't do it right away, the fact that it was sold out, I asked them about a wait list. You know, I I looked I looked into that and, and I was hopeful, but it looked like that wasn't going to happen. So I was able to come to a calmer place about not getting to go much faster than I would have been years ago. That is in part because how much I've included cognitive behavioral therapy and those sorts of techniques into my brain to look at my thoughts, to move towards accepting reality quicker and quicker. So this is a great point about accepting reality, which is a very big thing that Byron Katie talks about is she loves reality. I am not there yet, <laughs> but but accepting reality of the fact that I did not sign up in time. I know that seems like a super basic, you either did or you didn't. But in the past, what I would have done was fight with that reality. So thinking there must be some way that I can do it. Now, in fairness, I don't think that that's a bad original thought because it leads me to email someone and say, is there a wait list? I mean, to me that, you know, that makes sense. So I don't think that not accepting reality in the moment is a bad thing. I actually appreciate that about myself, that I'm brought a, what I consider a problem, and I look to see if there's any way I can mitigate it. Is there another way around? I think that that's a valid question for many things. But after I've asked myself that question and come up with whatever list and did the things that I wanted to do, that's when the rest of the fighting with reality just brings me suffering. So I emailed them about the wait list. The wait list was already closed. I would be you know, informed of the next one. They did not know when that was done. Now, it pretty much was done. And I was very happy with that. Because like I said, years ago, I wouldn't have been, I would have ruminated over that. And why did I do that? And why didn't I? And how could it be? And what if they never have it again? And my brain would have loved that story for a really long time. And all that would have done is caused me suffering. Because there's nothing I could do about it. I did what I could really interesting for me to have seen this about myself because I know I would have done that. So I was able to now because I'm I'm more practiced at looking at my thoughts and examining the ones that are helpful to me and the ones that are not. And once I saw that that wasn't going to be helpful and that I did what I could, I was able to release it. Okay, like, okay, you know, missed the opportunity. I, so What I did then was make sure I was on the list to get the emails that were coming. I was checking more often, that sort of thing, because it's something I really wanted. Well, lo and behold, they released the opportunity to do a second five-day workshop. I mean, I was so excited. And And I got that because I had signed up for the newsletter, which I hadn't been signed up for before. And then I was completely ready, right? So I already, I had worked out all the issues with with my mental exercise with the first one. And so I was very ready to do the second one. And as luck would have it, 
the dates were better for me, the hotel worked out, like, you know, I mean, it was one of those things. I had so much more peace before that happened because I, I was able to release the beating myself up and the questioning reality and all the rest of that stuff. It's so valuable to be able to do that. And the way that you do that is with her work, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So even just the experience of going to it was demonstration to me that there's growth and that it works for me, that that cognitive, but examining my thoughts, looking at reality, it really makes a difference. So in general, I would consider myself a seeker. I have experienced, as I've mentioned, great relief by learning the techniques that have helped me understand the brain. Many of them are based on cognitive behavioral therapy principles, which even Byron Katie's is that. But meditation, and I've talked about that before, I have a podcast on that. It's episode 37. But any of these, anything that gives me an understanding about the way our thoughts create our experience and how to find greater and greater relief, I definitely seek that out because I have found that it really, really helps. And Byron Katie's The Work, which she calls The Work, is one of these techniques that has really helped. And so I went for two reasons besides the fact that it was on my bucket list. But the reason it was on my bucket list is because I went to find relief for myself, okay? Because I believe the more I can understand and or release any perceived traumas and habitual thoughts that no longer serve me, the better I am at helping others. So I definitely want relief for myself always. But the reason I want that is because I become better at helping others. The cleaner, lighter, more uncluttered my thinking is, the easier it is to come up with creative solutions, better explanations, deeper listening, listening with even more love. That's my job when I work with my clients and I want to be better and better at it. And that's what work like this can bring. It can bring for me and it can also bring for you. It brings this lighter, clearer thinking because we're able to sort of sweep out the cobwebs. So to me, that's enough of a reason. But I also went to learn techniques to bring to you directly. And we're going to do some of that here now. Uh, Of course, I can only scratch the surface, even with two episodes. And this will be a two-parter. But I now have more techniques to help my clients find relief, both in their quest to lose weight, which of course is my focus, because noticing the mind is the way to permanent painless weight loss. And these skills spill over into all aspects of life. Remember, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And so when you figure out what makes getting on the scale so hard, or consistently thinking about planning ahead for your food, or what makes it hard to write down your food consistently, or what makes it hard to bring your lunch, or what makes it hard to not eat chips on the couch after dinner, it's all the thoughts and feelings those are the reasons. You're a very smart person. You know perfectly well, eating when you're not hungry, you know, a whole bag of chips is not the way to lose weight. No one had to tell you that. You knew that already. But why is it so hard to do? It's the answer is our brain. And the first thing we have to do is be aware of it. And this work helps us do that. Okay. So one way of thinking about this, like to bring it even more concretely, is 
if you may have this, and I've seen it many, many times, I had, I had a version of this too, the idea of wasting food. So when you realize this thought is keeping you from being able to listen to your body, when you realize that the thought of I can't waste food or I don't want to waste food or it's painful to waste food or I shouldn't waste food, when you become aware of that, it's enlightening because you're seeing, oh, I'm valuing not wasting food more than honoring my body, more than listening to what my body wants. Even though it's saying I've had enough food, I'm putting more in because I don't want to waste the food. I'm putting that in air quotes at this point. It's so valuable to know because then it doesn't matter how much you were trying to get yourself to only eat half or whatever. If you kept having that thought running unconscious in your mind, you were habitually listening to that and it felt very important in your brain. And you, if you couldn't discover what it was, there wasn't anything you could do about it. And you would just keep eating more than you wanted. Now, the fantastic thing about finding these things out with food is that you can then see how they spill into the rest of your life. So if you're feeling tightness about wasting food, I'm putting again, air quotes, you may notice that you feel tightness around any idea of wasting money or wasting time. And you can start to question it as you sort of unravel the idea of wasting food and how that may or may not be true. It will also affect your relationship with money, your relationship with time. It really works this way. It's amazing. So this is why it's so important to notice our thoughts. And there are many, many ways to start to notice our thoughts. As, as I said, meditation is one of them. Cognitive behavioral therapy techniques are another one. We, I talk a lot about that in the podcast and when I work with people. Byron Katie's The Work is another one, okay? The answer about how we do this or where we start, Katie's answer would be a worksheet, Okay. So I'm going to introduce that here. And then next episode, next week, we're going to talk about some of the exercises that I did when I was at the school. And and I think that they could bring some awareness for you too. They definitely did for me. And I'll talk to you about that. But first, we're going to go do the basics. The basics are found on her website. Okay. Her website is amazing. It's thework.com literally just thework.com. She has so many free things. You, you, you could spend days and days and days on there. She has a podcast. I'm going to link that in the show notes too. It's called At Home with Byron Katie. And there's a link to buy her book. Her first one was Loving What Is. There's a revised edition now, but that's like a really great basic way to get involved with the work to be introduced to it. I'm going to introduce it to you here. But her website is amazing. So what she would say, and she said over and over again, when a lot of the times when we would ask how or, yeah, how, so she'd introduce concepts and she's, I mean, she's amazing to just be in her presence. But what she would always say is do a worksheet. Like the answer was always do a worksheet. So I'm going to talk to you about the worksheet right now. The other thing she says a lot is judge your neighbor, write it down, ask for questions, turn it around. Those are her four steps for how to find relief from your thoughts. Judge your neighbor, write it down, ask for questions, turn it around. And that is the worksheet that she has. So the, uh, this I thought was really interesting. 
a lot of times we don't like to think that we judge other people, but we sure as heck can find a lot of judgments of ourselves. I'm lazy. I'm unclear. I'm thoughtless sometimes, you know, like these sorts of things. She made it really clear that we don't do worksheets on self-judgments. We do them on others. It was a really important point. And of course, what she said is because we do it on others, we are doing, in fact, doing it on ourselves, but it's so much easier when we externalize it because the ego really loves to beat ourselves up. It loves to sort of marinate in how terrible we are at some points. You may identify with this. My brain can get real unkind to myself if I'm not watching and if I'm letting it just free fall. And that's not useful. It really isn't. Talk about waste of time. (laughs) It's really, and not only is it a waste of time, it's so uncomfortable. And when we're uncomfortable and in pain, we are just not our best selves. We just don't present our best selves to the world because we are in pain. So, so that's a big important part of it is judging your neighbor. So you can download the worksheets free off her website, but these are the four questions that I'll let you know. So you, you go with a, a scenario. This is also really important. There has to be a specific scenario in your mind. Often many of us can find one very easily. Think about any last argument you had. That'll always work. And it does, and, or it could just be the thought you had about someone. Any thought you had about someone that was in any way judgmental. I'm thinking like, she doesn't look good. You know, that's terrible on her. Even those will bring some insights. But usually we're working on one that's a little deeper. One And one could be something like, he hurt me. So if someone yelled at you or, or did something that you deemed as hurtful, then that would be the sentence that you start with. He hurt me. So you find a sentence with a scenario, a judgment that you had about someone. He hurt me. So he forgot my birthday. He hurt me. Okay. And then the first question is, is it true? So you think about, he hurt me. Is that true? This is important. And and it was important to be with her because she really doesn't want you to just jump to, no, it's not true. If it feels true, the answer is yes, it's true. But then the second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? And this one for me always drops me a little deeper into the question, like sort of, So the idea is, right, he forgot my birthday, he hurt me. So if I really think about that, I can imagine a situation where he didn't intend to forget my birthday or he didn't intend to hurt me. So then it's a little wiggly and I can't say for absolutely sure that it's true that he hurt me. Just those two questions alone bring space to a very tight, painful thought. He hurt me. Now I'm starting to think, well, maybe maybe he didn't. I mean, maybe he didn't intend to. I, I felt hurt, but maybe there's a different way to look at this. That little bit of space is so helpful. Now we don't even have to go into, I'm terrible for thinking he hurt me. I mean, this is this is all thought experiments, and the reason, and, and that's such an important point to me. It's just thought experiments. The and the only reason it's thought experiments is to bring us relief. 
Because when we can start to see it a little differently, it really makes a difference for our brain. Okay, so we have, is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? And then the third question is, how do you react? What happens when you believe the thought, he hurt me? This is great because it's, you think of the emotions that arise when you are thinking he hurt me. So hurt, angry, this sort of thing. You, you, you remember, you think in your brain about that time when you realized he forgot your birthday and you felt hurt. So what were the emotions that arise, arrived? And then what images came to you? Because that, if you have a history with the, this person that you're in an argument with or, or in a hurt with, does he always forget your birthday? The last time he forgot your birthday, does he always forget everything? Is he insensitive here and there? Do you notice how your brain can go nuts? Just thinking, just because of this one sentence, he hurt me. Now you're piling on all the history. And you may even go forward, like if he forgets my birthday now, he's never gonna do X, Y, and Z. Or the, So you're causing yourself so much stress. By notice, by having these images and by noticing them, you can see, you can catch yourself. You can be like, oh my goodness, look at, look at my brain. And it's the brain. The brain does it automatically. This is not you doing it. This is your brain doing it, right? But it's so good to notice. So you've noticed the emotions that arise when you're thinking that thought, he hurt me, the images that come to you. And then two more parts of this is how you treat yourself and how you treat him or others when you believe the thought he hurt me. So how do you treat yourself when you think he hurt me? What comes to me is something like self-harm. Like I'm I'm not I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling hopeless. I, I'm feeling all these feelings. And that I just get stuck when I'm feeling that. I that is not motivating in any way. So I'm treating myself with that I'm now in a sadness and I'm not able to get out of it. Or I could even go to, I deserve it. Or what does this say about me? Or woe is me kinds of things. And not in a bad way, not in a woe is me, like you shouldn't be saying woe is me. I'm saying literally like woe is me. Like I am I am upset and sad and I am not available to be loving right this minute. And that so that's the same with how you would treat others, right? If you're feeling this way, how would you treat others? And specifically, how would you treat him? So do you give him the cold shoulder? Do you yell at him? Do you not remember his birthday, you know, I mean, so all the things, and then you can see, and this is the valuable part of this, so much that's created from just one, believing one sentence. It's so heavy. And so now we go to the fourth question, which is, who would you be without the thought? And of course, it comes right after you've thoroughly investigated what does happen when you believe the thought. So often it's so heavy and, and uncomfortable that when you can put your brain in that situation, so I don't, let's say your partner, you know, came home without, you know, without saying happy birthday, you can put yourself in that situation and you can get rid of the thought he hurt me and just see him coming home. Maybe he looks really tired. Maybe he's been working a lot lately. Maybe you can see him then just with compassion and love, like, oh my goodness, he's been working so hard. And that frees you up. You can be in the situation without having to have the thought, he hurt me. And it feels so much better in general. Now, that doesn't mean you don't say, oh, honey, you forgot my birthday. 
I thought we were going to do something. How about if we plan it for tomorrow? You know, what I mean by that is, and, and the scenario already happened, but you can see that in the future or maybe with something, you know, similar, but not exactly that, you could see it as not an intentional thing that hurt you. And then you have your, have access to so many other responses rather than the cold shoulder, the yelling, the feeling hurt. And it doesn't mean it's not upsetting if someone forgets your birthday. It's just that it doesn't have to be World War III and it doesn't have to feel so devastating. And to me, I love that because I hate feeling devastated. It just is so uncomfortable. Now there's one more part about this and a lot of people can get bristly about this. But again, this is just an exercise in in examining, in opening up your thinking to invite these other things in. And in so doing, you're healing the the parts that are so easily hurt. And we're not blaming, that's not a problem. It's just, it would be so nice if it doesn't feel so painful. And we, if we start to do these worksheets, these questions, it, it can start to help. So the turn, the, the, what we do after is the turnarounds. So remember the little saying was judge your neighbor, write it down, ask four questions, turn it around. So now we're at the turning it around. So the the thought was he hurt me. The possible turnarounds, that means the opposite are I hurt me. Now with each turnaround, we're supposed to come up with three examples. This is such a good exercise for our brains. Stretching our brains to try to come up with how did I hurt me? In that situation, I hurt me by having even the expectation that he would remember my birthday without saying, hun, my birthday's tomorrow, what are we gonna do? So I then was worrying about him not remembering my birthday and I had this expectation, I was feeling anxious about him coming home. So I see how I could have hurt me in this situation. Now there's now I'm like, oh, that's actually a good point. Next time I'm just gonna remind him, it's not a problem. Now it may, sometimes the turnarounds don't work. But for me, I just found one that felt good to me. The other, there's another possible opposite. I hurt him. Now, sometimes this one can feel really funny, but if we're really stretching our brain, how did I hurt him? It's a similar one. I set him up to fail. If ever in the past he's ever forgotten anything, and then I don't take that into account and, and remind him, then I'm setting us both up. Also, I hurt him by maybe I yelled at him when I had this thought I w- and then I had all those feelings and maybe I yelled or maybe I did the cold shoulder and that's hurtful. Another opposite of he hurt me is or, t- or turn around is he didn't hurt me. And we sort of talked about that piece like it wasn't intentional. He, he didn't mean to do that. I can see that. And then this one is it feels like a stretch, but it's, again, this is just a thought exercise and I find it so valuable. So the turnaround would be he helped me. So how did he help me by forgetting my birthday and me being hurt by that? The way that Katie would talk about it is he helped you because he gave you something to do a worksheet on, meaning he had you notice a place that needed work. Now, at the end of the five days, I actually got to the point where I could see that. It's, and I just don't think it's that easy to see. It took, it really took me a while. Maybe it's easy for you to see, but I, like looking forward to a, a, a difficult situation doesn't sound great to me, but now I understand because when you have the experience of feeling relief from doing this work, then you are sort of giddy when you have another opportunity to do it. 
that's the basics. Oh, this is a long episode. I still was dividing it into two and it's still going to be long. But that's the introduction to Byron Katie. And I just had such a wonderful experience. I invite you to, if any of this sounded good to you, it's it's a little, it it's not for everyone. And also it may be for you in two years. You know, it's one of those things. It, it took me, and let me tell you something, it took me a while. I don't think it's an accident that I went in 2023 rather than in 2019. I would have landed much differently for me in 2019. But if any of this sounds interesting to you, I invite you to look her up and go to the website, thework.com. I am forever grateful for it and for this work. And I know it can help us with weight loss and everything else. But in weight loss, then we get to see the thoughts that are keeping us stuck, keeping it hard to lose weight. And when we release them, when we're aware of them, and then we're able to work with them, it's incredible what happens. And this is how we do permanent weight loss. I'm sending you so much love. This was part one. Next week, we're going to have part two with some other exercises that I thought were so meaningful. I'm sending you so much love. If you follow, share, rate, and review this podcast, you'll be helping it reach others just like you and making their journey with weight loss and fertility just a bit easier. Lighten their load. Share in your groups and social media. Thank you, fabulous.